Welcome back to the Mouth and Off radio show here. It is November 12th, uh, Tuesday, and we'll be taking you guys live up until 7 p.m. Got a little bit of a late start here. But nonetheless, we have Patriots bye week. We got plenty to talk about college football, Bruins update, NCAA basketball, uh, Celtics as well. And just in general, our mortal walks, fantasy, love, and hate. So we got the whole slate for you. And we got a full studio. Uh, so Zach, Jonathan, and Ryan, how we doing, guys? Wonderful. Great to be back. Doing well. Good. <laughs> Confirmed good? Okay. Uh, so just to start off, NFL, per usual, like we always do. Uh, it was an interesting weekend overall. Uh, just my initial takeaway was, you know, some teams getting humbled. Uh, you know, the Rams a little bit, the Saints, Cowboys. You know, they've been humbled multiple times here, but they get humbled again against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, so overall, my takeaways are it was kind of a humbling week for some of the dominant teams out there. Uh, besides the Ravens, they just absolutely demolished the freaking Bengals. Oh, my God. Terrible. Terrible team. Uh, absolutely trash. Um, just... Initial takeaways from the Week 10 slate. Uh, it was a bad week for favorites. I know you said it was a humbling week, but it was especially so if you were a favorite. Oh, yeah. Favorites uh, went down, baby. Five and eight uh, overall, and they went three and ten against the spread. So uh, if you were banking on a favorite as your mortal lock, yikes. Yeah, I mean, great to see the Bills lose. Uh, yeah. Kinda, you, kinda pick the one, you pick one of the three <laughs> favorite uh, underdogs that loses. Good job, Ryan. <laughs> But, yeah, the Browns finally step up and win a game. Uh, but as a Pats fan, that's a g- great loss. Uh, but suddenly, you know, the Ravens are only one game back of first seed. Yeah, and my big takeaway from Sunday was Kansas City. And we know that their defense is horrific. But what they did on Sunday to the Tennessee Titans, giving up that to a porous, porous offense in Tennessee, was mind-boggling to me. It was disgusting. (laughs) This defense is worse than I thought, and I thought they were one of the worst defenses in the entire league. They might be even worse than that, and they just lost their top sack rusher for the season. He got hurt. Sack rusher? Sack Love a good sack rusher. Well, he's a rusher, and he leads the team in sacks. So, they lost him for the season, too, so they're only going to get worse. Um, This team can't stop anything, and it was just, to give up 35 points to the Tennessee Titans... Yikes, because the Tennessee Titans, below. That's all I got out of that game. <laughs> Mahomes threw for over 400, yeah. and they still lost. That's not a good look. It's kind of surprising that McCoy was a healthy scratch that game, too. They said it was a maintenance game. I've literally never heard of that in the NFL. I mean, NBA, <laughs> they do that yeah. stuff all the time. But to give him a rest game, what? That doesn't sound right. That's odd. No. That but is weird. At least it sort of kind of helped Damian Williams. Hey, he got a season-high 24 touches, I believe, and played, like, pretty much the whole game. They still had Darrell Williams, and they said they wanted to get their third running back involved, too, but he played two snaps. So, Hmm. yeah, good day for Damian Williams. But a fumble that uh, turned into a fumble six. (laughs) Definitely not great. (laughs) But he did not get benched right after that, like McCoy usually does when he fumbles. So, good for Damian Williams. Yeah, and I mean, it's... uh the AFC West is a legit race. I mean, Oakland actually keeping somewhat of a pace. I believe they're, what, a game, game and a half back? Half a game. Ha- yeah. Half a game. game. Back, yeah. So, I mean, Jonathan, you're shaking your head, but, I mean, they just lost with Mahomes. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like we're playing that game where it's like, oh, is Matt Moore going to be enough? 
you're going to drop to the Titans, uh, and you put up over 30 points, and your defense couldn't contain them. I mean, that's just not a good look. And I, I think K- uh, KC is still wildly talented. If they ended up in the AFC title game, I would not be shocked at all. But it's like s- some losses like that with your main guy out there. I know he probably wasn't 100%, obviously, but he still looked good. And I don't know. That's just a, that's a head-scratcher of a loss right there. Th- those are losses, you know, if you're trying to make a, a deep run, like it just piles up on you. And now we're going into week 11, and I did not see this Kansas City team dropping games like that. I mean, dropping a game to a team like the Texans, you know, earlier in the year can understand that a little, a little bit more. Even like a hot Colts team is kind of understandable. And even, you know, without Matt Moore there, I don't, you know, with Matt Moore there, uh, when he was there, I expect them to compete and, you know, not not like win out without Mahomes. But with Mahomes still, I mean, they've struggled. And that defense, it really could be just their own kryptonite because, like, dropping this many games already, I thought they were going to have a down year, but not this much of a down year. Like, it, it, I mean, the Raiders, I'm not saying they're, you know, they're like legit contenders, but the fact that they're at least still keeping pace that's just wild to me yeah i mean my my big thing why i was shaking my head isn't necessarily kansas city it's just the raiders are i've talked about this before on this show and ryan agrees with me they i don't care that whatever they're five and four they are not a good team they're not they're not they're awful they're not good okay they're gonna win again this week because they're playing an even worse team in kansas city the worst team i mean cincinnati the worst team in the league so they'll win again this week, but they're not they're not gonna win, you know, they're not gonna get to ten wins. Like in Kansas City is gonna get to ten wins just because they get to play everyone else in the division again and they'll win all those games. So I mean Kansas City, I'm definitely not sold on them anymore like I was at the beginning of the year. Their defense is awful, but it has more to do with the other teams in that division that I'm still one hundred percent sold that that division is not even close to gonna be contested. Kansas City will win that division. 100%. There's not a chance in my mind that Oakland comes down It comes down the wire. Kansas City's going to win that running away because Oakland is not good and they are going to lose down the stretch. I don't know. I mean, we've seen Derek Carr play good football before. They finally have a running back. Josh Jacobs is, le- is legit. Yep. And the defenses look okay. So, I mean, Derek Carr can play some good football and Kansas City's defense is that bad that you're going to let up 30, 35 points to Ryan Tannehill. That's like, awful, but <laughs> Oakland is not. Oakland's just not going to capitalize on that. They're just not. I, I'm yeah. just convinced and that they're not. And we've already seen Kansas City just handle them, right? They, they in Oakland. In Oakland, Mahomes dropped 28 in like the span of like 10 minutes on them. Yeah. So he can have his way with them. There's the only way the Raiders will catch up to the Chiefs is if the Chiefs defense just continues to suck so bad that Mahomes has to be perfect, and he's not perfect. And then the Raiders' defense, like you said, Zach, plays a, not just okay. Like, they play good. Like, they were at the end of the Thursday night game against the Chargers where they were just relentless in that fourth quarter. More or less the whole game, it was a struggle bus for Phillip Rivers, who we definitely didn't uh, assert was going to be a top-five quarterback last week. Yeah, we, uh, we love to win those, those friendly wagers. I uh, believe Zach had a nice stat in our little chat. Going in uh, with, like, four four teams still to play. He was, like, number 18, ranked, like, 18th or whatever. Oh, uh, Philip Rivers? With, like, four, four teams to play on Sunday, I believe. Like, yeah. he was just, man, 
I'm glad I was on uh, the right side of that bet. I'll just <laughs> yeah, say yeah. that. Car- karma, karma worked against me last week, so <laughs> we're keeping my mouth shut. But Jonathan, you said that the Raiders aren't going to get to ten wins. They're at five and four right now. I see their. I have their schedule pulled up here. Yeah, don't doesn't matter. All right, they play the Bengals. That's a win. That win that. Play the Jets. Probably win. Nope, they're losing that That's, game. Nope. Nope, they're losing that game wrong. in okay. New York. You got your classic left right, coast fine. team coming east. All right. That's a loss. All right. The Chiefs, they're going to lose. They yep. got the Titans at, at home. They'll win that. Jaguars at home win. I wouldn't give you. Chargers and L.A. I don't know. Throw it up there. And then they got the Broncos, which they'll win that. The That's, only game oh, yeah. I give them is the Bengals this week. Every the only, other game. The only game I see them definitely losing is the Chiefs. Every other game they're in. I think they'll lose at the Chargers. They, it'll be a close game, but they'll be in it. And oh, I, even if they lose that one, I, it's still I five don't disagree wins. that they'll be in it, but they're they're not. They're not. I'm just they're, they're not. They're, they're going to find good. ways to lose games. Yeah, because they're the Oakland Raiders, and they don't have a good head coach in John Gruden and Derek Carr. He's been playing okay football, but he's massively overpaid for what he is, and they're just not. They're just not good. They're going to get banged up. I mean, let me go on record and say that I will be rooting, rooting for Oakland in all these games because I would much rather have Oakland obviously win the AFC West than Kansas City because if Oakland wins the AFC West and then they, you know, somehow knock off the wild card team because they'll be the four seed and they get to play the Patriots if they're the one seed, I mean, that's a joke. If Oakland comes to that, that's your classic <laughs> tomato can if Oakland comes to New England. Uh, us being the one seed, though, is a big if. Yeah, it is. Point. It is. But we'll get to this. I'm sure we'll get to this later, too. And saying that Baltimore could be the one seed is is also going out on a limb, too, because their schedule is very tough coming mm-hmm. up as well as the Patriots. So, you know, it's not like these teams are just going to run the table the rest of the year. Oh, I don't think so, either. It's going to come down to who, who can just avoid the, right. the, the speed bumps, the road right. bumps. But, yeah, I mean, I just, I just don't trust Oakland at all. I don't think they're a good team. I just, yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple. If I don't think they're a good team, I don't think they're a good team, and I don't think they're a good team. <laughs> wow. But that is That's... probably the most sound logic I have ever heard in my life. Thank well, you. Speaking Bravo. of who's not good, I think we already sort of mentioned the team. Jared Goff. Oh, is, uh, yeah. Despicable. Terrible. Terrible. Uh, awful. That game, I think he had three fantasy points. He was so... He, I think he only had one turnover, yeah. though. But he just could not throw the ball to anyone uh, nah, he, besides Robert Woods. He fumbled. He fumbled twice, and I think he had a pick. Oh, he had two fumbles. I must have yeah. missed that. Regardless, he just was so bad. He's awful. I mean, he is horrific. That contract that they gave him is awful. Yeah. And this Rams team, I think that you have seen the classic gets to the Super Bowl, loses to the Patriots, Atlanta Falcons, and they just fall off the face of the earth because Goff. Cannot read a defense. He cannot go to his second read. He needs McVay literally to do everything for him on the field like it's his, like, dad coaching his son in peewee football. I mean, it's a joke. This or guy, like me coaching you on how to throw a football? No, no. <laughs> this guy, Jaragoff, blows. And McVay's system of, you know, slants across the middle and, and out routes. People have been people are able to adjust to that now and, and he needs to adjust because God knows Jared Goff isn't going to be able to. So if McVay can't adjust to the defense is changing up on him because they have all this film, they have over a year and a half at least of his his offense now. It's just it's just not looking good. It started with the Patriots in the Super Bowl, holding the Rams to three points, and 
The Rams have Brandon Cooks out, who looks like he might be out for a a while, if not this season. I mean, with, your best receiver was non-existent in that game. Right. I mean, you got to get, got to just get him the ball. Right. Like, Zero catches for Cooper Cup. I think he had five targets, though. So it was just, the connection just was not even yeah. close to there. And Jared Goff, I mean, he just he just can't win on the road, and he can't win in the cold, and he can't win, like, anywhere besides, you know, L.A. every once in a while. I know he has a few road wins this year, but, I mean, he's just... He's awful, and he, it seems like he's getting worse game by game. I, I wouldn't say he's fallen off the cliff yet, but it's trending that way. I yeah, definitely it certainly agree looks with like that. it. Yeah, five and four, you're still a winning team, right? But he definitely is trending towards right. and uh, especially not you have good. two of the better teams in football in that division, and the Cardinals who have have come on stronger lately. You know, uh, well they just lost to Tampa, right? So. But they, they do look a little better. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, but, they play the 49ers again this week. So, yeah. yeah. But what I want to get to is that, as I've said earlier, the Rams are just, they're just not good. Todd Gurley is an absolute shell of himself. They won't even put him out there, you know, in the fourth quarter because his knees can't take it. I mean, this team is just going the wrong way real fast. A lot of this has to do with their offensive line, too. They've had like a completely new offensive line because all their guys are hurt, and they just lost another starter this past weekend. But, their line just can't block anybody. Right. Goff has no time to throw, and he his one read is covered, and then he gets sacked, and he just gets pressure. And Gurley looked like an MV was an MVP candidate last year, and now the dude can barely stay on the field. Like Legitimately, looks like a cripple. Yeah, right. Like playing wise, it's just how do you have no energy after a bye week? That that just blows my mind. If if there was any game of this season. That he should have went off on. He should have either been week one or it should have been after the bye. And for him to just lay an egg after the bye, that's that's also a huge concern. Yeah. yeah, and to speak to Zach's point, I've been reading a little bit like online from what you know Rams fans have been saying on Twitter and whatnot, and they're all they're speaking to Zach's point about the offensive line. They're really upset the way the Rams invested their money with this huge extension to Jared Goff. Huge extension to uh, Todd Gurley. Huge extension to Brandon Cooks, who can't get on the field. And they're just really upset that this money wasn't put towards the offensive line and put more towards the skill position players that maybe, you know, were more a product of the offensive line than they got credit for. And now that's rearing its ugly head because they have their money invested into into the wrong people in the wrong places. Yeah, and it's like those contracts just kept coming one after the other, whether it was Cooks, Don- um, Donald, uh Gurley, it's just you name it. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, he's going to get shirt up. I mean, it's just they just th- threw their money. You know, they they one thing one way was working, and they just kind of put the offensive line aside. They just threw out all these ridiculous contracts to these skill players. Which your quarterback, I get. You, like that guy, if he's your guy, you know, kind of like with the Niners and Jimmy G. You know, some people would say that was kind of premature, but. They structured that deal uh, pretty well on their end. And with the Rams, I mean, yeah, I think Goff is bad, but I understand like trying to lock up your franchise QB. But it's tough. It's tough. There's a lot of money tied up. How do the Steelers keep winning with Mason Rudolph? They're 5-4. and four. I, I mean, their defense is good. Minka Fitzpatrick has been their the receivers best defensive player too. in football. <laughs> he Since coming over from Miami, he's been the best player in football. It, it's ridiculous. Their defense has been stifling, even with Juju not doing anything on yeah. offense and James Conner being hurt all the time. They still just keep winning football games. I don't get it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm rooting for them to win football games because much like I said about Oakland, I want the worst, as a Pats fan, I want the worst teams possible to make the playoffs, <laughs> and I I think the Steelers blow. I mean, I still think they blow. So how they keep winning, I mean, i got to give credit to Mike Tomlin. I mean, he's doing a good job with them boys. They got, you know, those, those uh, um, you know, cancers, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown. <laughs> Out of the locker room, kind of like a Celtic scene. We'll get to the basketball later. But, you know, it's good to see a team like that rebound because they started really bad. And people, they sent that first-round pick to Miami for Minka Fitzpatrick. Like, people are like, wow, like, this is, I don't know about this deal. You know, Minka is good. But, like, I think you could be giving up potential top-five pick in this next year's draft to the Miami Dolphins. And it certainly doesn't look like that. It certainly looks like the Steelers have won that trade now because – now, not only is that pick going to be, you know, towards the high teens, maybe even the low 20s, but they got a cornerstone defensive stud for the next few years. And their schedule down the stretch, it's not that bad. Right. They, they, they could definitely get to nine wins and be in contention for a wild card spot. No doubt about it. Yeah, I have a lot more respect, too, for a team like the Steelers when their guy, their franchise goes down in Big Ben like, what was that, second week in the season, they could have folded and gone tank for Tua, tank for Hurts, like, whatever. But, yeah, and then they make that, that move where they're giving up assets, tr- draft capital for, you know, a guy to help you this year and, put, you know, going forward. Um, I just, yeah, you, like, on one hand, you could say you're jeopardizing your future, you're not going to do anything this year. But as an organization, like, I respect that. I, I respect going that route and actually still trying to make the most out of the season than you know, folding and just looking like the Bengals or the Dolphins or whoever. Whoa, oh, Dolphins. Oh, You're talking about the two win, the two straight win Dolphins? No, I mean, they no are the hottest Dolphins team in the slander. league. They're, they're the hottest team in the league. Fins oh, up. Wow, that's, 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 that's uh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> now, now, you're, now you're just on the wrong end again. Quick side note, though. Um, I was listening, um, I was in the car, and they, they were playing the Miami Dolphins uh, radio broadcast. They could not have sounded more, like, upset that they won. They're like, the Miami Dolphins have won this one. Ryan Fitzpatrick looked pretty good. Like, they were just so, like, subdued. They were like, no, we can't be winning these games. Yeah, no. Frank Frank the Tank, big guy Frank from Barstool, went on a rant about the Dolphins and how <laughs> yeah, they can't even funny. tank right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like you and your fantasy team, right? Tanking no. lives matters. What, 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 Winners of seven straight. Nope, nope. Losers of one nope. straight, actually. Lost last week. Yeah, thank God, the model. <laughs> Um, what do we think about uh, Zach's Niners finally going down? No more undefeated teams. And a wild one, an OT game where, you know, especially the Niners late in that game, they could have handled uh, that possession with like a minute 20 left a lot better. Uh, they literally just, what, it was three straight passes, didn't really get you anything. You could have burned the clock at the very least, go for the tie. Uh, it would have helped them a lot more than it would have uh, helped Seattle. It would have hurt Seattle, if anything, uh, if they went to a tie. And their young kicker, who was hot all day, you know, ends up shanking it. They lose. And, I mean, it, I, I don't put that game, like, really on Jimmy G. His receivers were dropping balls left to right. They were, like, literally right in their hands. And constantly, I think there was nine dropped passes, like, nine, like, legit drops. That is unacceptable. And the prime time uh, maybe it got to him a little bit. I mean, look, you got no George Kittle. Manuel Sanders left early in the game with a rib injury. Those are your top two receiving threats. And the running backs really weren't doing very much. Tevin Coleman didn't look Breeding great. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, the best running back in the OT was Mostert, who was actually running pretty hard. Um, 
But I, I feel fine. I mean, an OT loss to Russell Wilson when you had a 47-yard field goal to win the game and your kicker shanked it after he made a 47-yarder to put you into overtime. I mean, they got a big pick to start OT off off Russell Wilson in the red zone. And the defense, again, looked good. I mean, 27 points to the Seahawks is not bad. I mean, the no. Seahawks are the best, one of the best offenses in the league. Um, I feel fine with, the, with my pick there. I think they're <laughs> definitely going to make the playoffs. Yeah, my big takeaways from the game last night was, one, I agree with you, Dan, to an extent about I wouldn't put the blame on Garoppolo because he did have a lot of drops. But not only did he have a lot of drops by his own receivers, <laughs> he had a lot of drops from Seattle's secondary and linebackers. <laughs> I think he could have thrown. You know, I watched that last, you know, five minutes in overtime. He threw, he could have had, you know, three picks. I mean, these were in the hands of the Seattle's uh, defenders. And they just dropped him. So, I mean, yes, I agree to an extent that, you know, his wide receivers obviously hurt him. That that pick that he did throw, you know, that one was on the wide receiver. He had another one down by the goal line, I think, in the fourth quarter where it really was really, really close to getting picked off. That one I would put on the receiver, too, because he hit his receiver in the hands. But let's not act like, you know, it was all on the receivers because Garoppolo made some awful, awful throws. He also got strip sacked, too. Yeah. For sure, yeah. And I, I would say, again, like, when you get the ball back with like a little bit over a minute left in overtime, you can burn some clock. You know, you don't have to just go out there and you know just not like the home run play, but just just be a little bit more conservative. You know, you, you give Seattle maybe you know, like thirty less seconds, whatever it is. Like you just make it harder on them, and they didn't make it hard enough. And that's just one of those things where I don't know. Like maybe they haven't really been in that spot, or like they haven't practiced that uh, situation. So it was kind of like a foreign. They were kind of in a foreign area there. They didn't really have a true sense of like how to uh, attack it, I guess. But I mean, yeah. Like if you drop that game, if, if you're the 49ers, yeah, it's not ideal. But I don't think it's like it's going to turn their season the other way, so to speak, right? Like I don't think they're going to start dropping games that they should be winning. Like that's a game, divisional opponent. They're going to play you tough. You're f- very familiar. You, you know it's going to be a tight game. Seattle's been in a lot of weird games uh, in late this year. They've been in a lot of these tight, higher-scoring games. I mean, I don't know. Personally, I just thought Jimmy G was going to have a better day uh, overall because we saw Matt Schaub just come out from the grave and throw for 450 on them. I mean, yeah, uh, Matt Schaub of all people. So I thought, hey, Jimmy will have a nice day. You know, it just it wasn't one of those days. And Seattle, obviously, again, divisional opponent, like, it's going to be tougher. It's going to be a grittier game. And there was just a lot of, like, just a lot of whistles, a lot of injuries in that game. It, you know, the pace wasn't, wasn't great uh, as, like, an entertainment standpoint. But, you know, I, again, if you're the Niners, I don't think that's going to hamper your season. You would have liked to have that, but... Yeah, I, they were going to drop one at some point. I think the game's more indicative of the Seahawks. Like it, it it's more the Seahawks have played eight one possession games yep. out of ten, <clears throat> which is absurd. And the fact that they've won seven of those eight one possession games is even more ludicrous. So their string of luck in one possession games continues to bounce their way. I don't know if that's just a clutch gene. I don't know if that's just Russell Wilson clutching things. I don't in the defense like locking down late in games. I don't know, but the way they're playing in one possession games, they they look like if they play in a playoff game against anyone, yep. and it's a close game, they're gonna find a way to win that game. 
And I, I for the 49ers, though, I look at this and I say, okay, they've beaten three, five, and four teams in the Steelers, the Rams, and the Panthers. And this was their their first real game against a a really like a great team. And they unfortunately blew it. Now, they had their injuries, but they got O linemen back. So split the difference, I guess, on the injury front. But I want to see how they play against I think it's the Packers uh, this week. Arizona. They play yeah. the Packers in two, in two weeks. weeks. Two weeks. That's that's how I want to see because I know they should be able to beat the Cardinals. They'll play them tough like the Cardinals did uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. But I want to I want to keep. They have to play the Packers. They have to play the Ravens. They have to play the Saints. That's in three straight weeks too. Yeah. So I'm just like the Patriots. I want to see how they they play against. Like really good slash great teams before I want to make any sort of judgments on them. Right now, it looks like they can beat good teams. I don't know if they can beat great teams. Yeah, I mean, well, it looks like they'll get Robbie Gold back probably this week. If not, then the following week. And if he's in there, I mean, we're probably still talking about them as nine and zero. They have a forty-seven yarder. He's probably banging that in pretty consistently. When um, you get an undrafted guy that you just signed last week come in and make three out of four kicks for you. That's pretty good. And he just shanked one in overtime in the moment, got a little too big. So I don't really think it has anything to do with – I mean, they sh- with their kicker there, they win that game. So they beat a great team. Yeah, and getting off the 49ers and going to the other team in that matchup, the Seahawks, I thought they were they were okay. They also got some injuries of their own. Lockett left the game hurt. Uh, which could be a huge, you know, huge, huge, huge deal for them because he's by far their most important piece of their offense behind uh, Russell Wilson. Yeah, he had to stay in the hospital overnight. Yeah, I saw he was having severe contusion or something like that. But going on to the defensive side of the ball, the best player on the on the field last night for either team was Javion Clowney. I mean, that yeah. guy was oh, yeah. was a machine last night. And if I'm this, if I'm a Seahawks fan, I'm really happy about that because you know you traded for this guy. In the off season, he hasn't, you know, really been as dominant as you would have liked to see. He, he was a number one pick, but I mean, he was dominant last night, and that has to do something to speak to the, you know, 49ers offensive line. They got their tackles back, but I think they were, you know, maybe they shouldn't have rushed them back so fast because they were they were not good. Neither line was good last night, but Jadavion Klein was a beast. So if you're a Seahawks fan, I mean, that's a huge development going forward because if that guy's going to ball out. You know that's a big deal for them because you got to put pressure on the quarterback if you want to win in the NFL. And if he's playing like that, he's one of the best. Forty Nine ers D held Russell Wilson to like eighty six yards passing at halftime. Right. So they look great, and they didn't look bad at any one point in time. Yes, yeah. eventually the Seahawks got their offense going, but to hold them to twenty seven in five periods of football yeah. is pretty solid. Right. And so, they they had them. On uh, I don't know if it was in I can't remember if it was in the overtime possession or in the end of the towards the end of the uh, fourth quarter, but they had the Seahawks in a long third down and they had it and it was just the magic of Russell Wilson scrambled for like oh, twenty yeah, yards. Yeah, that was OT. He scrambled for like twenty yards and like you just got to tip your cap because that's that's just pure Russell Wilson do it himself. So Vindic. yeah, I give credit to both defenses last night. They were fine. Uh, you know, in defense, wins championships, they say. So, you know, that should bode well for them going forward, especially the Seahawks, because the Seahawks, as Dan said, they got tore up by Matt 
Matt Schaub, of all people. So it was nice to see them come out, you know, at least put some pressure on the quarterback, like I said, with Jadavion Clowney. The back end's held up all right. So, you know, if you're a Seahawks fan going forward, you take a lot of positives out of that game. Obviously, the win, the biggest one. But, you know, it does look like they're improving coming down the stretch. So that division is definitely going to come to the wire. 49ers got the record advantage, but Seattle does own the tiebreaker. So, you know, it's going to be close. It's going to be a good, good down the stretch, that's for sure. Absolutely. Uh, so if we want to just, I know it's the Pats bye week, but if we want to slip in just a little bit, just, you know, they're going up against the Eagles next week uh, for week 11, game two of their mini gauntlet, so to speak. Uh, just first off, uh, with that loss to the Ravens and kind of getting humbling, uh, humbled like that, uh, do you think they're going to have the same type of issues with a guy like Carson Wentz, your Dak Prescott? Um, I know Lamar is kind of like a little bit of a different guy. Like he's just his talent running the ball overall is just kind of different. And the Ravens have a lot of uh, like they know you a lot. We have a history with them, obviously, a lot of uh, familiarity there. So I would say just looking at the Eagles since they're the next opponent, how confident and and they're coming off a bye week as well. How confident are you uh, and the Patriots defense finally getting punched in the mouth? Something we've not necessarily been waiting for but it's finally happened after uh the first eight games do you think that trend continues or do you think uh they kind of figured things out here and they write the ship at least defensively offensively is a whole nother matter look i said it last week lamar jackson's a unicorn there's nobody like him in the league carson wentz runs a little bit but he he's not like him at all um he's had an up and down season wentz and Deshaun Jackson's not coming back, so that deep threat's not there. Aguilar's been inconsistent. Jeffrey's been hurt off and on. Um, they got Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. Jordan Howard ran well bef- the week before their bye, uh, so we'll see if they can contain him on, like, uh, Ingram, who just ran all over the Pats. Uh, but the Eagles' D is so bad. Yeah. They are one of the worst pass defenses in the league. So if there's any game for Brady to get right and have a big game, it's this week. Um, the thing I'm most excited about for this game is it's a 4 o'clock game on CBS. That means we get Tony Romo. <laughs> oh, let's go. We get Tony Romo. Um, but the Pats are 13-4, and four, or Brady's 13-4 and four following a bye. So I don't see any reason why they don't come out and smack around Philly a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do think the Patriots are going to win, but I am concerned mainly on the defensive side of the ball. I think the offense will right its groove it will it will start moving because when they were running that no huddle in Baltimore they were cruising up and down the field up until that Edelman fumble which was just absolutely killer because they were going to go in and score on that drive um but as I mentioned the defense Baltimore ran all over this team Carson Wentz obviously is not a scrambler quarterback like Lamar Jackson but he can move around in the pocket and he'll run for a first down every once in a while but the Eagles have one of, if not the best, offensive lines in all of football. Um, so I am really interested to see how the Patriots' run-stopping um, comes out of the bye because they've had time to scheme this up, what to do. They obviously have the game film from Baltimore on what they did wrong and stuff like that. But the Eagles have been running over teams all season. They ran all over the Bills a couple weeks ago. They ran all over Chicago, who's a pretty good defense as well. They ran all over Green Bay when they went into Lambeau and beat them earlier in the season. So they've been running on teams for a while. 
So I'm really interested to see how the defense comes out, especially against the run, because if the Eagles can, you know, run the ball consistently for first downs like the Ravens did. Eat up time. Yeah, eat up time. And, you know, the Patriot, maybe the Patriots' offense is cruising, but if they only have the ball for 20 minutes and Philadelphia has it for 40, you know, that's a recipe for success if you're Philadelphia. Just like the Ravens game, yeah. Literally. Yeah, I'd say if I had to rate my confidence going into this game on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd say 6 because I I just feel like we we had our weaknesses exposed against Baltimore. Truly, yeah. And so I need to see us uh, going up against a good team be able to win the line of scrimmage. We did cool. not do that on run offense or run defense against Baltimore. Now, like Jonathan just said, we're going up against a team that's got a good O-line. They can run it at you with either Howard or Miles Sanders. Can they win that line of scrimmage battle? And Because if they can't, I don't know, man. That doesn't look yeah. good. That doesn't bode well for the future. No. And that's just been a constant issue. Still waiting and hoping for Isaiah Wynn. But... Yeah, and again, I I would ask, I will ask this question every single week. Like, is this the week that we get a little bit of Nikhil Harry? I'm hoping so, just because it's not nearly as daunting. Like, if you want to put the argument, yeah, like the spot wasn't right in the Ravens game or whatever, I get it. But whether it's this week, whether it's next week, like you got to give him if he's going to be any part of this offense, he needs at least I would say like four games under his belt at least, like the bare minimum like at least four or five a good handful of games before the playoffs so i i don't know i'm hoping for that nick folk so far so good right i mean no real complaints there although young who kim uh stud yeah four for four for field goal or extra points and two for two um for uh field goals so he was perfect for the bucks i mean makes you think a little bit i mean i don't know I'm just saying that guy's been perfect so far. I so I just keep tabs on that going forward because this kicker thing I think is a fluid situation still. I do not necessarily trust Nick Folk, but hey, we'll see. The guy's been good so far. Um and then on the other end, quick question, uh if you had to guess, who do you think is the top uh pro football focus rated Patriots player this season? This season. Hmm. I think I, I saw something from Pro yeah, Football Focus, but yeah, this was did. a little while ago. I'm trying it. to think. I'll say Devin McCourty. Not a bad guess. I would say Gilmore, but I don't think it's him. I honestly think it's either Lawrence Guy or Jonathan Jones because Pro Football Focus. Ryan, you got a guess? Mm, probably like James White. It's Jonathan Jones. Yeah, Pro Football Focus loves Jonathan Jones. They but Pats have won 15 straight when he plays uh, at least 50 percent or better of the snaps. Yeah, he's Play consistently the the tweets will pop up on my timeline on like Monday or Tuesday of Pro Football Focus like top players of the week. He's consistently listed as one of the best players, um, you know, throughout the whole league that week. So it doesn't surprise me that it was Jonathan Jones. Yeah, and. Do you, Defensively, too, this Patriots defense just looks to, like the last time they faced off back in the Super Bowl 52, you know, it was a different Patriots defense that was out there. Like, you got plenty of turnover there. You had guys like Eric Rowe, Batamosi, obviously, Jordan Richards, uh, Marquise Flowers, James Harrison. And so you have a better linebacking group. You have a better defensive uh, secondary group overall. 
Uh, just that's a game. I I think I'd agree with Ryan. A six for my confidence. Like you're you're not like you're not down on them, but you're like cautiously. You know, you're optimistic, but you're cautious. You know, you're just kind of like. Things could t- turn the, the wrong way for them, absolutely. Especially, you know, the offensive line. And, yeah, I mean, if they can't stop the run, like, they could be in big trouble here. And they haven't been able to all season. Yeah, and I would just say, comparing it, I wouldn't compare them to the to the Super Bowl. I mean, the offense has a lot of familiar names from that game, but the defense is completely different. That's and what as I'm saying, you mentioned, yeah. you had two of the worst players I've ever seen in. <laughs> Uh, Eric Rowe and the worst player I've ever seen ever play in a Super Bowl, Jordan Richards. That guy was so awful in that game. I don't want to go on a tangent about him because it was two years ago, but I mean, he was just god awful in that game. I'm just happy that he's off the team, even though they re signed him and then cut him, but he's just awful. I mean, it's also a different quarterback, too. Right. It is a different quarterback. True. True. Wentz. It's not point. nearly the quarterback that Foles is, you know? So Yeah, Foles better. <laughs> Foles way better. He's got a ring, a legit ring. So does Wentz. Eh. Eh. He's got a Jimmy G ring. It's not a real <laughs> Jimmy ring. Jimmy G's got two rings. <laughs> true, true. So Jimmy G better than Wentz. He's got a Jacoby reset ring. Wentz, Wentz doesn't have two Jimmy G rings, so he's got him there. But, yeah, I would say... With each of these tougher games, like just you're gonna, there's we're gonna learn more in the next four weeks than we learned in the first ten. Yeah, it's definitely easily. a huge test. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so on the Patriots end, yeah, uh, bye week, going up against the Eagles. Would love a nice bounce back game. Uh, would love to see uh, the young guys get involved a bit more um, on offense. Nick Foles, got my eyes on you. Got my eyes on you, man. Hopefully, I like hope and pray that he's just the guy for the rest of the way. Because if he has a couple of Mike Nugent games, I feel like they're they'll move on again. I don't think they're afraid. What are you talking about? Well, you said Nick Nick Folk, right? Yeah. Okay. You said Nick Foles. Yeah, you said Nick Foles. Oh, I thought I said Nick Folk. Nice Freudian slip. Uh, we'll uh, we'll check the tape. Hopefully, for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, the tapes tape don't lie. Yeah, we'll unless see. it doesn't exist. Oh, for we'll the third week that. in a row, we'll see. Because if the tape does exist, I'm I'm gonna isolate that, Ryan. Oh yeah, I'm gonna play it constantly. And what happens sure. when you're wrong? You gonna get you gonna give me my four for four back from last week? Yeah. If I'm wrong, if this if this doesn't oh, that's, that's say, Dan, you were wrong. You said false. Thank you. You sure about that? Yeah, I'm yes. sure. We're all sure. All, all right. right. Yeah, take all that right. L, and <laughs> I will take my four for four back. Uh we'll see. We'll see. I will check the tape, oh, sir. Okay. All right. That's literally the easiest bet on this show. Okay. Uh, but we should probably get going on our mortal locks. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's a valid point. This always happens with football. Um, who would like to start? Because I am not confident at all. Oh, I'm I'll terrible. S- I'll start because I don't care anymore because I'm so bad at this that when, <laughs> when I try, that I'm not going to try anymore. So I am resorting to... Go three. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm only picking one. Oh. But I am taking the list of games. Loser. And I am ordering them one through whatever for that week, and I'm putting that in a random number generator. Oh, we stand. And whatever game matches the number, I have to bet the under, pick the underdog for that game, and I get to choose whether it's the money, money line or the spread. <laughs> so this week, the random number generator has elected to pick Pittsburgh over Cleveland. Uh, Pittsburgh is, Cleveland's a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. 
Uh, I am electing to go Pittsburgh straight up over Cleveland. Sounds that is my exact reasoning. That sounds good. I mean, Can't that's argue. probably better than trying to guess with your head. Yeah, Andy, we're gonna see what happens. Um, you want to go? Over go me? ahead. Okay, my game is this. Bet your house on this game. Okay, this is a lot. I think I would have lost three houses in a row. Okay, now. yeah. <laughs> I hope you got four houses then. Ready for this one? If you're better, Jets at Washington this weekend. If the Jets, they're giving you. A point and a half. The Jets are going to win this outright. Money line. Washington is so awful. They're trying to lose. They got Dwayne Haskins starting. Who blows? The Jets are coming off a good win against the Giants. I know the Giants are bad, but Washington is worse than the Giants, and the Jets just beat them. Give me the Jets. Money line straight up. Bet your house on it. That's a winner. All right, Dan, you wanted two more locks from Ryan? I'll, I'll give you two more locks. Oh, Z's going to pull through with two. I mean, this one, you can bet three houses on this one. Oh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Every time somebody has said, you can bet the house on this one, it has almost always been an aisle. Honestly, well, nobody said L. bet three houses. So Honestly, I love Fendi. the board this weekend. <laughs> Arizona plus 11 and a half against San Francisco. <laughs> love that. San Francisco's going to win the game, obviously. Because they're my Niners, but Arizona's <laughs> going to keep it close, like they do. And they're going to score a touchdown late, and they'll cover, they'll backdoor cover it. My second one, the hot, hottest team in the league, according to Dan Sadik. Yep, the Miami <laughs> Dolphins hot. plus five and a half at home against Buffalo. I love that bet. They might win it outright. I, I honestly, I like them they might win it outright. Oh, because great. Buffalo, they're just not they're not good, and Josh Allen is just. He's not good. Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to outplay hey, him. Josh Allen had 25 fantasy points for me. Yeah, because he week. ran for two touchdowns. Yeah, so he's but worth he's something. Not, he's worth something in fantasy. He's not a good real quarterback. Oh, that's true. That's fantasy. Yeah. So Miami plus five and a half. If you're feeling ballsy, take a money line. I like that too. Okay. Take it to the bank. I can get down with that. So, Ryan, thank you for uh, your number generator picking Pittsburgh in the Cleveland and Pittsburgh game because I'm fading you. I was going to fade you no matter what, but the fact that you picked this game, <laughs> the fact that you picked this game is I had my eyes on it. Kareem Hunt's back. He's just getting back in the fold. He's not doing anything crazy yet. It's seven him and Chubb. Last week. Him and Chubb Dan, are going to. Why what? are you going back on the. The Browns have done you so dirty this year. Why are you, you going back shut to them? Your mouth. Me and the Browns have a relationship, okay? The Cleveland Browns. What? And they are back, okay? <laughs> Because you said you weren't going to go Thursday, back. They're playing them. on Thursday night. They're at home. Mason Rudolph going to have a bugaboo game. Kareem Hunt <laughs> going to have 80 yards receiving and rushing. Going to have like 25 fantasy points. Whoa. Walk him up. You might as well do it. Fade Ryan. Fade him for the rest of the year with a stupid number generator. All day, baby. Fade Ryan. Hashtag Fade Ryan. That's my pick. You're fading the number generator, but I'm also fading you. You got okay, Cleveland covering there? Oh, Cleveland's covering three and a half. Okay. Easy. Okay. Well, you have to. You're picking the favorite. <laughs> well, that's a good point. It's it's a good pick, unlike yours. I didn't pick it. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> you cannot defer to the generator and say, "Oh, it's not my pick." Because if you if you go like, I don't know, five and two in the next you know seven weeks, whatever, to finish off. I'm the not year. gonna. I'm gonna say the number generator did me well. I smell cat. I've already come out and said that. We'll see. We'll see about that. I'm I'm totally anticipating the number generator to go four and three after I myself went two and six and yes. just that's gonna have to be the strategy going forward. I'm also two and six. 
Yeah, well, you should also give up. No. Nope. Hey, if the number in generator goes four and three, fifty-two and a half. That's what the number is for a better. If you're if you're above fifty-two and a half, you're better. You're a good better. So number generator might be a good yeah, better. Number generator could probably be the play. is. We're going to see. <laughs> we will see. So we also got fantasy favorites, uh, fantasy love and hate, to be exact. Um, so we can start off there as well. Uh, who would like to start? How about you, Sully? All right, sure. I got two loves. I don't know if I want to give them both right now, or we just want to go one and then back. Or both. your calls. Okay, both. First, my love. This guy's on. My love. The, uh, what? No, you're like, first, my love. Just my like, love, yes. Uh, this guy's owned in a good percentage of leagues, but I really like this play this week. Calvin Ridley versus the Panthers. Austin Hooper's going to be out. Devonta Freeman's going to be out. Those two take a lot of targets because Freeman's very involved in the passing game. Hooper's been the best tight end in fantasy this, this season so far. You know, they're going to throw everyone they got at Julio Jones. This is going to open up for Calvin Ridley. There's going to be targets to go around. They don't have Muhammad Sanu anymore. You know, the Falcons will score points. Uh, the Panthers, this is going to be a good scoring game, I would assume. A divisional game, you're probably going to get somewhere, you know, 30-27, 30-24, somewhere around there. There's going to be targets to go around. And as I said earlier, with Hooper and Freeman out, I really like the play of Calvin Ridley this week. He should get back on track. He's been struggling a little bit lately. Didn't do much in Sunday against New Orleans. But I like him getting back on track. My second play, okay? <laughs> this cat is owned in less than 4% of leagues. But Queen Dan Sadik, I saw you playing him, and I love it. Tight end, Dawson Knox, Buffalo versus Miami. I love this play. Miami gets torched by a tight end. They got lit up last week by Ebron and uh, Jack Doyle, even with that trash can Brian Hoyer throwing him the ball. <laughs> They've just been destroyed by tight ends this season. I love the Dawson Knox play at Miami this Sunday. Yeah, not bad. Wow. Thank you. Dawson Knox might have a good day, but they're still going to lose the game. <laughs> uh, for me, we got uh, we go to the Saints-Tampa Bay game. Should be very high scoring there. Tampa Bay has been the, one of the worst defenses in the league against the pass. And they just released their uh, best players today. Yeah, Vernon Hargraves. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> um, but they just allowed Christian Kirk to score three touchdowns. So give me some Ted Ginn this week. Owned in 10% of leagues. And all he needs is to get loose on one play, and Tampa Bay has been awful against the deep ball this year. I think he gets loose, one play, long touchdown. There's like 15 points. There you go. So I have an interesting fantasy love here. Um, It's almost purely matchup-based. I don't think anyone's done this yet. By the way, Dawson Knox, that's his second time on the fantasy love uh, on the Mouth and Off show this semester. Huh? Shout out Dawson Knox. Shout out Dawson Knox. Uh, So... We're going a little bit off the rails here. Oh, boy. Uh, Jets defense, uh, they're only rostered in 21% of the league. <laughs> what? I, I love that play. Because, only 21% uh, of the league. Money line. <laughs> they coming off an 18-point performance <laughs> against the Giants this past week. And uh, they're going against the trash Redskins now. Dwayne Haskins named the starter for the rest of the year. Yuck. I don't care if they're on the road in Washington. Jets, Jets D, baby. You can expect a 15 spot. Bare minimum. 15 spot. I love that pick. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> it's my only confident take in this whole show. <laughs> <laughs> You're up, Ryan. Yeah, Ryan needs a second to compose himself. <laughs> wow, I was not ready for that. That <laughs> that, that was magical. Um, 
my fantasy love for this week is Devontae Parker. I think we had a caller do that. Uh, uh, pick Devontae Parker as his fantasy love for the week. Yep. Uh, I'm going to sort of piggyback on that a couple weeks after the fact. He doesn't have a great matchup in terms of Buffalo. Buffalo is top 10 in terms of fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. Yep. But he did go for five catches, 51 yards, and a touchdown in their prior meeting this season. And he also has a very solid floor this season, especially in PPR. His last six games, he's gotten at least 10-plus points. So given that he's had success against this, that the Bills this season, he's got a very solid floor. I'd ride him. And he's only owned in 44% of leagues, so odds are he's out there. Look, so, I like that. I mean, Fitzpatrick's got to throw the ball somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere. They just huh? lost Preston Williams. Mark Walton's out. Kalen Balazs is Can't catch a ball to awful. save his life. But well, we still got faith in Balazs. We, we, we are Team Balazs on this program. Uh, we, we being sort of. Ryan and I. Yeah, we're, we're I, trying. I, dra- I drafted him this year. <laughs> we're, we're trying, He's going to be a stud. We're trying. Day. He's going to be a stud one of these years. <laughs> yeah, we don't know which year. It might be in like 10 years. Yeah. But I don't know. But Devontae Parker should be a good play this week. I like that. So fantasy hate, Jonathan, you want to just take it from the top? Yeah, sure, I'll start. Uh, this one, I got a player on the Rams this week. Uh, Robert Woods, wide receiver versus the Bears. I hate this matchup so much. One, because Jared Goff is absolute garbage. Two, the Bears have a good defense. So that's always imposing, especially when you have a trash QB like Jared Goff that can't adjust to any defensive scheme that he sees that he doesn't see in film and McVay can't see on the field. And three, because as we mentioned earlier, Cooper Cup had zero catches last week at Pittsburgh, which means, what does it mean to me? They're going to try to feed Cooper Cup the ball on Sunday because he had no catches the previous week. They got to get him his due this week. There's going to be all kinds of talk. Why didn't Cooper Cup catch anything? This and this and this. So I think you're going to see a lot of targets towards Cooper Cup's way. Bears got good defense. Jared Goff is god-awful. Don't like the Robert Woods play at all this week. He laid an egg in Chicago last year in the regular season, so could totally see that happening. Yeah, yeah but they're at home this week. Jared Goff plays good quarterback at home. He averages over, like over 20 fantasy points at home. Don't care. He's awful. Good at throw I disagree. At home. At, home, he's, at home, he's a good quarterback. The numbers are just there that he's a good quarterback <laughs> at home. He's so. a good no, he's not a good quarterback at home. He's a good fantasy quarterback. Well, that's what we're talking about here. Right, yeah. right, Robert right. Woods is gonna, he, Robert Woods I still, to I still don't like the Robert Woods play. I just don't like it. I appreciate that. My fantasy team appreciates that. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> um, my hate, you know, I'm not, it's, it's not a strong hate because we had a pretty good week. So I'm not as hot as I was last week with Dan <laughs> Sadik over there. <laughs> yeah, you, you only dropped like 160 on my team. It's yeah, okay. it's all right. But I guess just Zach Taylor... Bengals head coach yep. Ryan Finley is should not be in the NFL. That dude was <laughs> terrible. At least Andy Dalton could move the ball and made a bunch of wide receivers out there look fantasy relevant. Um, I mean, I know Ryan played Alex Erickson. He didn't do anything. Yeah, he got hurt. Yeah, he got concussed. Okay, well, probably Ryan Finley's fault. Yeah, probably. <laughs> They're in hospital passes. <laughs> Auden Tate does nothing. Uh, this dude, I mean, he made Joe Mixon look good because the Bengals got, I mean, Bengals got down by so much and they started running the ball with the Ravens playing prevent defense and just letting them run all over the place. But Andy Dalton can at least move the football. Ryan Finley, Zach Taylor, what are you doing? So I don't really have a ton of hate this week. I mean, 
nothing really got under my skin fantasy wise. Uh, Cooper you know, Cup besides, would have got under your skin if uh, you lost your matchup. Well, that. But what did get under my skin, um, which this th- this would happen, win or lose, and yeah, I did win this week. But <laughs> win or lose, Cooper Cup again. Kind of piggybacking with you, Jonathan, but there's really nothing else for, for me to, to get mad about. Cooper Cup, bare minimum, should be 10 points or more. Like, at the bare minimum, I know he had five uh, targets, but regardless, I don't care. That offense that offense revolves around the receivers, essentially. I mean, you need to get your guys involved. I don't care what it takes. I don't care if you have to script some plays coming out of the second half. Whatever it is. Uh, you got to get the rhythm going somehow. Uh, and Cooper Cup is your best receiver, uh, not just production-wise, but, I mean, he's shown that pre-injury, post-injury now. He's your best wide receiver, bar none. So he needs to be just more involved. I don't know what, you know, what exactly happened there, but we all know Jared Goff isn't, you know, the most elegant of uh pass throwers in the league and he's not the greatest deci- uh, decision maker overall i would say he's nah, not he, he's one of the worst he's not he's, he's got to be down there yeah he's awful i mean it's really mcveigh that is the brainchild of that whole entire offense in the system so yeah it's pretty much a combination of jared goff i'm not mad at cooper cup but the hate is um flowing there mostly to jared goff so i don't have any like people I'm mad at, but I have a fantasy matchup I don't like, and it's Ronald Jones the second. I don't think he's going to have a good week whatsoever. He was named the starter last week, and he played fairly well. Like Rushing-wise, no, but eight catches for 78 yards was great. He doubled his re- reception total in one, one week, uh, but it's also, it was week 10, and he doubled his receiving output. So, he's not a receiving threat. He's only had three catches or more one time in his career before that. So I think that was a fluke. And he's still only averaging four yards a carry, which is fine. But Peyton Barber also got the same amount of carries as him last week, even though Jones was supposedly the new lead back. So that's a concern. I just... Uh, I, the, the fact they're playing the Saints this week, the Saints are top five defense against the run. I know they just got exposed by a combination of Devonta Freeman and some rando scrub that's like a practice squad guy. I think Brian Hill is his name. Uh, but I would expect the Saints to come out and play pissed after laying an egg against the Falcons last week, and they're not going to let anything go. If anything, um, Jameis Winston's going to have to do it with his arm, and so you're going to have to hope that Jones is involved in the passing game again, and I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't like Ronald Jones the second this week. Beautiful, beautiful. Not not too much hate, you know. A lot of love. Um, and the Mortal Locks, we have some history being made on this week's uh, edition of Mortal Locks of the week. Zach going with two picks. We love to see that. And then me going with a uh, defense. For the fantasy love, Jonathan giving Dawson Knox the second nod on the year for fantasy love. So, you know, Buffalo, shout out Buffalo. I mean, what's up? We're stands. But we're going to take a quick break and come back uh, with the rest of our segments. We've got college football playoffs, NCAA basketball, Celtics and Bruins. So we're going to fire those off very quickly coming um, on the other side of the break. And we're just going to play a song or two here. You're listening to Mouth and Off Sports on 91.5 WBIM. 
and we will be right back. Just a young gun with a quick fuse. I was uptight, wanna let loose. I was dreaming of bigger things and wanna leave my old life behind. Not a yes, sir, not a follow up. Fit the box, fit the mold, have a seat in the foyer. Take a number. I was All right, everybody, welcome back. It's the Mouth and Off Sports Show. Here, Dan Sadek, alongside with Zach Lacey, Jonathan Sullivan, and Ryan Brown. And we got NFL power rankings here, doing the top five. Second week of us doing it here. Uh, let's uh, start with Ryan. What do you got here? All right, so we'll do the same thing we did last week, start from five and work our way up. Uh, at number five, I've got Green Bay this year uh, for this week. Uh, they've won, I believe it's five of their last six. Uh, they're, they're cooking. They've got the best resume in terms of big like wins they've beaten five teams that are over 500 so that's kind of impressed me i know they laid a stinker in los angeles two weeks ago but beating the panthers adding another big win uh i got the uh, packers at five i got the saints at four dropping down a couple spots uh after laying that egg uh, against the falcons uh i got new england staying pat at three seattle jumps up to two and my number one is the Baltimore Ravens. I think they've got easily the best pair of victories. They've beaten the, sea, uh, they've beaten the Seahawks and the Patriots in a three-week span. Uh, I'm sold on that team. I think they're the best team in football right now. Dang. All right. Uh, do you just take the 49ers out of your top five? Yeah, I dropped them from one to six. Yikes. Wow. Wow. I don't know about that one, Chief. Can I just ask you a question? Sure. If their kicker makes that field goal last night and they win... They're still number one. They're still number one, okay. Yes, that's awful. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Tough. They don't have the wins. They've they've only beaten three, five, and four teams. They haven't really beaten anyone. Neither are the Pats. Yeah, but who are you taking, Pats or Niners? Uh, take the Niners' defense. Ew. Ew. Stop. <laughs> You? All right, me or you? You go. Okay. All right, number five, I got New Orleans. Um, They had a horrific loss at home to Atlanta, but I still still think they're one of the best teams in the league. They're one of the most complete teams in the league. I know their offense didn't show up, obviously. They only scored nine points against a horrific Atlanta defense, but their defense is legit. The offense will come around. It's got Drew Brees. It's got Michael Thomas. It's got Alvin Kamara. And that, that team will find its way. So I'm not dropping them out of the power rankings. You know, one game I don't think determines everything. I think they'll bounce back, um, you know, soon. Number two, uh, number four, excuse me, I have the 49ers. They dropped a little bit on my list. Tough game last night. They still looked fine. I still think they're one of the better teams in the NFL. That defense is legit. As you mentioned earlier in the show, they got a tough schedule coming up, so I really want to see how they do against some legit teams. But as for right now, they're 8-1. and one. I still got to keep them in the top five. Number three, I have the Seahawks. They beat the 49ers last night, so for that reason, I've had them jump the 49ers. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Jadavion Clowney's coming on like a stud. Russell Wilson is the MVP in my mind so far this season. He's legit. Even Josh Gordon, who I hate, um, made some catches last night. So I don't want to hear you give any praise to Josh Gordon. I'm not giving him praise. I just said I hate him. Uh, but nonetheless, that was 
some decent to see him. If he can, you know, make three catches a game, that's better than I guess they had before. Be interested to see with that locket injury, but they're looking good. Number two, I got the Pats. They were on the bye week. Um, you know, there's nothing they could do. It's going to be interesting to see how they come back from uh, the bye against Philadelphia. They looked awful against Baltimore, but I think they'll adjust. I think they'll win this week. They'll start to co- They'll start to cruise more. The offense is coming around. The defense has too much talent to give up 37 points against other teams. Well, technically 30 because they had the touchdown. But the defense is too good to show like they did against the Baltimore coming down against other teams, especially now they have a wake-up call coming out the bye. Number one, I got the Baltimore Ravens, uh, as Ryan did as well. Beat the Pats, that's huge. And then the come of the next week, you see a lot of teams play the Patriots. Like, I'm thinking of last year, like, the Jaguars and the Lions. Teams that, you know, they build up so much to these wins over the Patriots. Like, it's winning their Super Bowl in the regular season. And then they come out the next few weeks and just absolutely, like, egg after egg after egg. But the Ravens didn't do that against a trash Cincinnati team. They beat them like they should because the Cincinnati Bengals are trash. The Ravens blew them out of the water. They started off fast. They finished strong. That run that Lamar Jackson had where he did that spin move looked like something straight out of Madden. They're the best team in the NFL right now. So, I mean, I got them number one for a reason. They're winners of five in a row. They're the hottest team in the league. Right. Sleep on the Dolphins, though. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Five, I got the Saints as well. Uh, Toyed back and forth between the Saints and the Packers. They're kind of interchangeable with the Saints losing there. For me, uh, the Seahawks, I got a number four. Nice win over the 49ers, but one kick and they should have lost the game so i don't really put too much stock into that got the pats standing pat at number three uh then the 49ers at number two i'm dropping them from one to two i'm not putting them outside my top five or even putting the seahawks ahead of them because they were in the position to win that game if their kicker shows up and that's without george kittle and emmanuel sanders and then just like you guys i got the ravens at number one Lamar Jackson's been the best player in football for the past couple of weeks, and uh, they just look untouchable right now. We'll see going forward if when they play a little tougher competition what happens, but they handled the Pats, and they handled their schedule so far. Yep. Uh, so I'm not going to be too much different here, except, well, I don't have the Packers in my top five. Uh, I start with the Saints at number five, I think, uh that loss does hurt them a bit. I, I'm still confident in Drew Brees going forward and that offense sort of just figuring things out. I don't think they're going to sort of look that average uh, again. Uh, and the, my reasoning for the Packers, I think I need to see a little bit more. Yes, they've been impressive. But, you know, something about Aaron Rodgers down the stretch, big primetime moments like in his career, you know, he's he's a great quarterback. He's arguably the best pass thrower pure pass thrower in the game but i mean the guy really hasn't done a whole lot uh in terms of like uh late season success i just i see this team potentially being just a very strong regular season team and overall i don't know i'm still not overly impressed with them but number uh four go with the seahawks i think they're in the conversation you know i don't think i think their defense is trending in the right direction um after last night I think Jadavion Clowney, if he can have that high motor on a more consistent basis, yeah, I think they'll look um, a lot better uh, defensively, and I think they need that. Number three, I got the Niners. 
you know, I I wanted to see, you know, if I could get them out of that top three, but their defense is, is legit. Yes, they haven't played a ton of tough teams, but again, I think if Jimmy G can just sort of right the ship with some of the little mistakes, the, you know, young quarterback mistakes he's still making, um, I think they'll just improve that much more. But that defense, man, definitely legit. And if Jimmy G can just improve uh, a little bit, they're a legit contender for sure. So they're number three. Number two, the Patriots can't, you know, in good conscience have them at number one just with that loss to the Ravens. And the Ravens sort of uh, just bouncing right back, uh, picking up right where they left off, putting up a 49 spot on the Bengals. I know the Bengals are bad, but the Ravens could have easily coasted in that game and sort of just taking their foot off the gas pedal, coming off a high, a nice big win against the Patriots that were undefeated uh, in a primetime uh, fashion. So Ravens, Ravens are number one, and they deserve that. Lamar Jackson, just ridiculous <laughs> what this guy's doing. And I'm a big fan of it. I mean, I love seeing that position sort of evolve and seeing different guys uh, kind of shape it in their own way. So I love, I love Jackson and the Ravens, number one. Those are your power rankings. Beautiful. Uh, college going to college football now. College football. We time, had the baby. yeah. What's first? Roll. Sorry. Go Tigers. <laughs> we had the first college football uh, power rankings come out last week with Ohio State uh, number one, followed by LSU, Alabama, Penn State, round of the top four, and then you had Clemson, Georgia, Oregon, and Utah in that next group there. You had LSU and Bama playing each other this past weekend, which LSU won 46-41. It looked like a blowout in the first half, and then Tua and the Alabama defense finally made it a game in the second half. It really came down to the the wire there, which definitely helps Alabama's case going forward as a one-loss team trying to get into the playoff. Um, Joe Burrow had a huge game, three touchdowns, and had a pretty big Heisman moment with a third down conversion run for like 20 yards late in the fourth quarter there going down for the game winner uh Tua he was good he threw for over 404 TDs had a pick had a really bad fumble in the red zone the first drive of the game he's just kind of running and the ball kind of just hit his leg and just fell out of his hands um but they still have a chance to get in should LSU goes on wins the SEC I think Alabama still has a decent shot depending on what else happens then you had Penn State uh, also lose this week to Minnesota and some Big Ten action there. Uh, undefeated Minnesota came in at number 17 last week, but they get the win 31-26. Their wide receiver Rashad Bateman showed up with a big game, 7 for 203 and a touchdown. And Penn State's quarterback had a tough day, threw three picks, one to end the game in the red zone there. This is the kind of chaos that a lot of the teams, one-loss teams need to try to get in the playoff later on. Uh, Minnesota, if they keep winning out, I mean, they still have to play Iowa. I know Hawks, Hawks, Hawks. Yeah, baby. <laughs> and Wisconsin. Week, or I think weeks. they play them next week. They're, yeah. they're off this week, but yeah. Yeah, so they got to play Iowa and Wisconsin. And then if they win even just one of those, it'll get them in the Big Ten Championship against most likely Ohio State, even though they still have to play Penn State and Michigan last two weeks of the season. Um, but... Big Ten could have Minnesota possibility of getting in the playoff there. Um, Oregon and Utah were idle this past weekend. I don't really see them moving too much. They really need one of them is going to win the Pac-12, but they really need some more chaos to come out of. They need like a Georgia 
win and maybe Minnesota loses a couple games and then somebody beats Ohio State. They need a lot of help there. Um, Baylor and Oklahoma also play this weekend in Waco. Uh, Baylor's undefeated still. They were number 12 last week and should move up a little bit. They won last week, um, but they need to beat beat Oklahoma, and then they'll probably play them again in the uh, Big 12 title, Big 12 game. title game. Thank you. Um, Oklahoma's lost to Kansas State. Looks a little bit worse now. They lost to Texas. Ew. Yuck. Those Longhorns. Texas trash. <laughs> but Baylor hasn't been really the flashiest team all year, and they don't really score a lot of points, which is strange coming from a Big 12 team. I mean, it was 9-9 at the end of regulation for their game this week. But they need a big win against Oklahoma this week and then to beat them again in the Big 12, probably to have a chance of getting a Big 12 team in there. Um, but for me, it looks like I think it'll be when the power rankings come out tonight in about a half hour, I think it'll be LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Bama in the top four, followed by Georgia, Minnesota, Oregon, and Utah. Ooh, that's a big jump for Minnesota. It was a huge win. It was. It was, but that's also the first team that they've actually played. Right, but Penn State's a legit team, and their defense showed up, and they... It's true. I would put them easily in the top 10. I'd push them maybe top 8. I can't put them in the top 6 yet. I think the recency bias pushes them past Oregon and Utah. I think the fact that they didn't play last week and they both have one loss that I think people might forget about, or the committee might forget about them a little bit and just ride the hot hand and put them up there. It's certainly possible. Uh, I would agree with your top four and and your top five as well, but I I still think the the two Pac-12 teams, Oregon and Utah, will, will hang tight and they'll be six and seven. Minnesota will probably clock in around eight. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening as well. Um, I like to ride the Minnesota, see what happens. <laughs> yeah, uh, a couple of quick things though. Uh, in the Alabama LSU game, yes, Joe Burrow, fantastic. He just he's going to win the Heisman if they went out and win the SEC, no doubt about that. Tua w- went off to a very slow start, and that kind of cost them. They had to play catch up the whole game. He did play well at the end, but just wasn't enough and it kind of did a little stat padding towards the end where the defense was just inexplicable LSU was just keeping them in the game on defense um will Bama need help to get in I kind of agree it's hit or miss at this point uh they definitely I definitely think there's a scenario where if they finish 11 and 1 but the Pac-12 winner if it's Oregon and Utah and they're both 11 and 1 in that Pac-12 championship game I definitely could see the winner of that game jumping Alabama and getting the fourth spot. Oh, man, people would lose their minds. If they would happened. be because there's supposed to be a, some sort of emphasis. I don't know how much, but there's supposed to be some sort of emphasis on conference championships. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to matter. So if Al- Alabama is not in the driver's seat anymore, they're going to be that 11-1 and team if they went out with no conference title aspirations whatsoever should LSU win out as well. So... We've seen two SEC teams get in before, but I think it's going to be a little bit tougher this year if the teams right below them also keep winning out. Obviously, Georgia would have to play LSU. The loser of that game could slide out unless it's LSU in a tight one. Mm-hmm. There's, there's so much to that could happen. I think two SEC teams is, is looking very possible, uh, but I can definitely see the Pac-12 champion getting in there. 
I could see them getting in as well. Uh, but if Georgia beats LSU in the cha- in the SEC championship, then there's no way because LSU's firmly. As long as LSU makes it to the SEC championship, they're firmly locked in. No yeah. matter no matter what. And then if Georgia wins that, then they'll be in too. What if they got absolutely annihilated? Like. Uh, Wisconsin got annihilated by Ohio State, and Ohio State made that ridiculous jump from like six to four just because they obliterated their ranked opponent in the conference championship game. I mean, I guess in that scenario, then LSU could fall out. But I, what are the odds? Right? I don't. I don't. I can't see that happening. Their yeah. defense is too good, and Jake Fromm just doesn't put up a ton of points for Georgia. So I don't see <clears throat> it being a high-scoring game. That they'll blow them out like forty nine nothing or something. Yeah, Joe, I, I agree. Joe Burrow and that offense, and they're so good. They just they're not being stopped by anybody this year. Yeah. It doesn't matter who it is. And if Clemson is going to lose a game at all before the playoff, it's going to be this week against Wake Forest. Wake Forest just lost a game, so they screwed it up. They're probably not even <laughs> going to be in the rankings. So Clemson's going to have like literally no ranked opponents played against this season, except for like Texas A and M in week two. Uh, but if there's any chance for Clemson to slip up, I think it's got to be this week. Yeah, and if they slip up, then they're, they're done. They're screwed. E- even if they win, oh, it doesn't matter. they'll yeah. go win the ACC, but it doesn't matter. It won't matter. Yep. Yeah, so I'll try to keep this short and sweet. I LSU 100% deserves to be the number one team in the country. If the committee puts yep. Ohio State number one like they did last week, yeah. that's absurd. Number two, Ohio State. Number three, Clemson. And number four, I'm going to put Oklahoma – as Zach said, I think the recency bias is real. I think Alabama loses. They go to five. Oklahoma comes in at four. Did you Do you know where Oklahoma was last week? Um, they were like six. No. They're at nine. nine. I don't care. They're coming oh, in okay. at four. They're coming in at four? <laughs> okay. You wait. Just wait and see. Beautiful. Uh, do you want to put a four for four on it? No. I didn't. So. <laughs> Oklahoma's going to come in at four. I'll put a four for four on it. They finish lower than eight right now. They come in at lower than eight tonight. Do it. You won't. What if they come in at eight? To push. 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 Deal. All right. Beautiful. Um, all but I got to say. I'm still, I'm still going. So, <laughs> so Clemson at three, Oklahoma at four, Alabama is going to come in at five. And what Ryan said earlier about uh, Pac-12, um, potential one-loss Pac-12 team getting in, I just want to say this. If you're Alabama, okay, you want Oregon to win the Pac-12 because – you play Auburn in the last game of the season. If Alabama blows out Auburn, then the committee will look at that, and I know it was early in the season, and say, Auburn beat Oregon, and then Alabama blew out Auburn. So Alabama would blow out Oregon if they played because Auburn beat Oregon and then Alabama crushed Auburn. So if you're a fan of Alabama, I think that's the best-case scenario for you because then the committee will have the case, you know, they'll have the case to say, you know, this one-loss Alabama team is clearly better than the one-loss Oregon team because they have the common opponent in Auburn. So I think that's the big thing if you're an Alabama fan for the for the one-loss. Also, um, Georgia losing one more game, whether it's in the conference championship or not, is also right, paramount. Right, I mm-hmm. agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to switch uh, Georgia and Oklahoma. Uh, I think Oklahoma's going to be six and Georgia's going to be five. Good thing I made the bet before you got yeah. sense <laughs> knocking, you. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Hey, I still have them coming in at six. That's still a win for me. That's true. <laughs> All right, so we'll. Uh, I'm move just going to say one Go thing. On. I love the Tigers. I'm not a huge college football guy. Which Tigers? What? There's a lot of Tigers. Clemson. Yeah, it's a he lot loves of the Clemson Tigers. Yeah. Big LSU <laughs> Tigers 
Coach O fan. That's basically the take. That's the take. And they beat Bama. So roll Tigers. Go Tigers. <laughs> roll Tigers. Uh, <laughs> So in college basketball, uh, we kicked it off last Tuesday with the Champions Classic. Uh, Duke beat Kansas in the 7 o'clock game. Uh, it was a close game. Kansas just beat themselves. They had literally 29 turnovers it, it, and Ooh. 18 in the first half. It was, it was tough. And Duke just shot very poorly for most of the game, and that's why Kansas was able to stay in the game for so long. Uh, but so just sloppy all around between those two teams. So they'll be looking to improve. Uh, it's early, obviously. Uh, and Kentucky is the new number one after they took down uh, preseason number one, Michigan State. Michigan State looks like they're going to be banking on Cassius Winston. If if he's not, if he is not fully clicking, it looks like they may be in a tough spot. Um, they might be vulnerable. We'll see. Kentucky looked very good. Definitely deserving of number one. Uh, tonight we have number 13 Memphis playing f- number 14 Oregon in a ranked versus ranked matchup. Uh, the the key story around this matchup is uh, center freshman James Wiseman for Memphis. He's one of the top prospects for the NBA draft next year. He's expected to play again. Uh, he was ruled ineligible by the NCAA for some ridiculous thing where uh, before Penny Hardaway, who was the coach of Memphis, uh, became the coach of Memphis, he apparently loaned Wiseman's family some money behind Wiseman's back to help them move to the state of Tennessee in the Memphis area, unbeknownst to Wiseman. And that has since been paid back, but the school, uh, the NCAA found out about it, deemed Penny Hardaway a booster at the time, and so technically ineligible benefits uh in the ncaa's so mind stupid. it's it's very stupid so, so but stupid. but wiseman is expected to play as i said because a court gave him granted him an injunction to play despite the ruling he played last friday against illinois chicago had 17 and 11 uh he's expected to also suit up tonight so that's going to be a big story going forward uh because he's one of the best players in the country uh other than that, I think we're good for college basketball. Calipari, God. Yeah, I don't have anything. Uh, BC's 2-0, and if anyone likes BC. Yeah. Iowa also 1-0. Those are the my two teams, so shout out them. Sweet. Yep. Still still on the uh, closet yeah. train, so I will yeah. uh, report when um, if that goalpost moves. It's uh, Duke's year again, Ryan. I, I, I like that. There are some good games this week, though. We got Ohio State playing Villanova in a ranked versus ranked uh, tomorrow night. Thursday, you got number three Michigan State going up against Seton Hall, who's number 12. Uh, so you got a couple of good games this week. Awesome. So we get to shift over to some Bruins. Jonathan jinxed them. That's yeah, the so some people think discuss. that I jinxed the Bruins because I came on this program last week and uh, praised them uh, so much, but oh no, 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 that's not what it was. You said they were destined to lose the Canadians game, and now they've just gone downhill since. So well, they, they did say it was a trap game. They were destined to lose the Canadian game, and they did. But I, if if anyone's listening to this program and you want to do some research for me, can you find out how many goals the Bruins have gotten taken off the board this year? Because they they have to be leading the NHL. It seems like every week they're getting goals pulled off the board and i don't feel like 
any other teams they ever play against are also getting goals pulled off. It's like always Bruins, you know, offsides pulled. It's like never the team the Bruins are playing against gets goals taken off the board. I mean, it's just unbelievable. They, it happened in the Canadians game. They had a, a tying goal. I think it was actually to go ahead. No, it was uh, the tying it was goal. The tying goal got wiped. I mean, it's just unbelievable. They had it with the oh, Avalanche earlier. No, no, no. It was the go-ahead goal, and then after it got taken off, then Montreal scored like a minute later. Right. So, Fan I mean, it's play. just unbelievable how many goals it seems like. It just seems like every single week. And then to lose the Red the Red Wings, who are trash, I mean, it's just disappointing. This is just this team, for some reason, has the Bruins number. The Red Wings won three games against the Bruins last year. When the when they were they were trash last year too, and they beat the Bruins, who went to Game Seven of the Stanley Cup. I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me why they're always struggling against against a trash team like Detroit. But they just have their number, I guess. And then they go down two zero against Philadelphia, come back and tie it. They lose an over in the shootout because they're trash in the shootout. I don't know why, but it seems like every single time they go to overtime or the shootout. They lose. I don't think they have a overtime or shootout win this year. Honestly, I think they went to overtime against Tampa Bay. They went to overtime against Toronto. They lost both of those games. They just lost Philadelphia in the extra period. I mean, it's just they had these struggles uh, at the beginning of last season too. It's like they go to overtime and it's like, oh, you know, another one point for the Bruins because they can't win in overtime or they can't win in a shootout. And I just I don't get it because they have so many skill position players like. Their uh, their death lineup of, you know, Martian, Pasternak, Bergeron. I know those three guys can't play in overtime together because you got to put a defenseman out there with them. But I mean, McAvoy, Pasternak, Bergeron, or or Krug, uh, Martian, Bergeron, or whatever. Vice versa, make do the lines on your own time. But I mean, it's just I don't understand why they can't win in overtime. But you know, struggles are going to come. They're still. A really good team. They still have a lot of points. They're still doing well in the standings, and because they got off to such a hot start, they can they can have this type of regression a little bit. And you don't have to you know p- press the panic button right away because they've built themselves such a comfortable cushion to sit on. That you know, I'm not panicking. That's for sure. The Bruins aren't broken. They're going to get back on track. They got another game tonight. Uh, I don't know who they who they Panthers Panthers Panthers. So. Panthers aren't that good of a team. They're only huh. three points behind us. Yeah, well, eight, four, and five. They have um, they have Bobrovsky, but hopefully Bobrovsky is still uh, nervous about when the Bruins beat him last year when he was playing for Columbus. So he uh, poops himself. So I think the Bruins will get back on track. I think they'll win tonight. Start a nice little streak again. Uh, they are. They did get points out of the last game, so that's all for naught. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm still fine with the Bruins. Am I a little disappointed in there last week? Sure. As I mentioned before, am I pressing the panic button? Absolutely not. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, and like they started off so hot too. You can only expect them to, you know, to just sort of level out a little bit. Um, right. I, mean, I just like to see them. Like they just can't lose. Like if you're going to lose a game, the Montreal game, that one's fine to lose. But to lose to a Red Wings team that's wretched, that's just like, like come on, like. I know those things happen during the regular season. You fall asleep in some games, but it would have been nice for them to get you know two points when you're playing a trash team because you got to assume that you're going to lose games to the Lightning. You're going to lose games to Maple Leafs during the regular season. You know you're going to lose games to the Penguins. 
but you shouldn't be losing games to the Red Wings. So that was disappointing to me, but it happens. It happens every year to every team in the regular season, so it is what it is. You just got to take it with a grain of salt. Beautiful. Uh, anything else to add on the Bruins? Nah, tough showing the last three nights, but we'll see how they do this week. Big week coming up, and uh, hopefully their top line can show it again. So we got Boston Celtics and the NBA to close out the show. And a little bittersweet right now. Obviously the Celtics on an eight-game win streak. But as we know in that uh, Spurs game, the Celtics blew out the Spurs by 20. Gordon Hayward gets injured yet again. This time it's a fractured hand, I believe, correct? It's his hand or his his wrist? It's his hand. So he's confirmed out, I believe, six weeks um, at the very least, six weeks. And with him, who knows? Like, it could be longer. could take him more time to get back to 100%. But I think it's going to be, a, you know, it's going to hurt. But as we look at this team right now, uh, nine games in, we've got almost four guys that are just about averaging 20 points per game. Kemba's at 25. The rest are in the high, high teens. Complete night and day shift from what, the scoring and the spread of wealth was like in the 2018-2019 year for obvious reasons. But I think it's just encouraging to at least... You, we at least know Gordon Hayward uh, with that 39-point career-high night. You know, he looks like Gordon Hayward, uh, his, the normal Gordon Hayward, pre-crazy uh, leg injury. Um, so I, I just think, off the bat, I think they're playing very well. I think... The culture, uh, they they obviously like each other. It's not there's not like a, a power struggle in terms of you know who's controlling the ball, who gets the last shot. I I just think it's it's promising, obviously. And yeah, Jason Tatum uh, against the Mavericks with a big dud, one of eighteen. You can't have that. Yikes! I mean, how how many how many legit number ones are like projected to be number ones on a legit team? have those kind of nights, it doesn't happen. It's growing pains, but you, you would hope that at this point that we're past the growing pain stage and that he's taking leaps forward into more consistent outputs. And so that was kind of disheartening to to see. Yeah. Especially now that he's shooting under 40%. I think that last the other night was the reason why he's under 40% now. Yeah, that's a huge swing. That's a bit of a dent, so I'm not going to look at that and be like, oh, he's shooting like 38%, but he just had one awful game. Yeah. Um, but him and Edwards, Edwards also off to a slow start. We were, we were uh, Some people were hoping that he'd be a spark, spark plug, uh, able to just plug him in off the bench and be able to chip in, I don't know, 10, 12 points off the bench. Yeah, and he's, it's Eddie not House been, type. And it's just not been that way so far for him. Uh, it'll be nice if he can uh, sort of get com- more comfortable in the offense and find his way. But like you said, four players averaging about 19 points a game or more. Kemba's averaging 25. He had an amazing game against the Mavericks. So good. He was electric from three. So good. Um, But the Celtics are just looking very good after nine games. They're top 10 in so many many different metrics. Best record in the league. Yep. Uh, They're ninth in points per game, fifth in points allowed. 10th and three-point percentage, third in opponent field goal percentage, and they have the best point differential in the NBA. So not only are they playing fairly well on offense, they're playing great on defense too. And so even when you have a Tatum going one for 18, your defense is able to at least hold the other team down 
while you figure it out otherwise. Yeah, the defense has been more impressive to me than the offense. Oh, absolutely. Because I know we talked about it on this show. This show. I mean, they have the decent to elite offensive talents that you know are going to get theirs during the game. So, I mean, to I thought this team was going to be wretched on defense. You got Kim, yeah. uh, Kemba, who can't defend a lick. Um, Cantor, who has Thin been out a lot, court. but he can't defend a lick. It'll be interesting to see how they move him back in. He barely played last night. He's barely healthy, man, yeah. ever. So I want to see how that does. The Time Lord has looked uh, better. He's looked. He's For been sure. impressive to me this year. And on Tatum, everyone knows that I'm a Tatum stan. Um, I will admit that he shot like dog crap last night. That was horrific, 1 of 18. I can say with confidence he will not have another 1 for 18 game this season, that's for sure. But to speak to Tatum, I'm impressed because he's still defending well. He actually leads the league. I know plus minus uh, is is a worthless stat in the NBA, but he does lead the NBA in all players in plus minus this year. And the difference between the first and second, I think second might be Giannis or something. I saw the tweet today, but whoever it is, the difference between Tatum and the second person is the same difference between the second person and the 13th person in plus minus this year in the NBA. So Tatum is, when he's on the court, the Celtics are leaps and bounds better than any other player has been on this on the season uh, for their team. And obviously, that's really inflated by the Celtics only having one loss, being the only team in the NBA with having one loss. So for at least eight of their games, it would seem most likely that the, he would have a positive plus minus when he's out there because the team's winning. But he shoots one of 18. His shooting stats are down this year um, from the field, although he's still shooting pretty well from three. Uh, and he's still averaging you know, almost 20 points a night. So to me, the most impressive part about that is that even though his shot isn't falling, He's still getting buckets because he's a he's a professional scorer. So once these you know shooting s- stats start to go up because they're going to regress to the mean, he's going to start you know making making shots. He's not going to shoot one of eighteen. Uh, well, will we see his points per game increase? You know more to twenty four, twenty five a night if he's shooting you know ten of sixteen instead of five of sixteen like he's been so far because I think he's. That's going to come back to the mean. His three-pointer is going to fall, but his two-pointers are going to rise because he, he's been having a lot of trouble finishing around the bucket this year. That's been a problem for him um, through all three years that I've noticed. A lot of times he'll, he'll take it to the left side of the hoop and go up with his right hand, which yeah, he, is like he just – that's fine when you're in high school or like in like middle school and even college if you're like a stud athlete like he is. But in the NBA, if you're going to the left – you got to go up with your left hand. And so, he doesn't go strong. Like yeah. I feel like his ball security when he's driving to the bas- basket is a little suspect right. at times. He used, he used to lose the ball so much when he drives to the hoop. He hits it off himself or gets stripped, and I yep. haven't seen that as much. But his approach is much better. He, he fell into some long twos last night. Uh, he had a shot where the shot clock was winding down. He was on the baseline, and he hit the side of the backboard with the shot, and it was just gross. But he's been mostly threes and layups, which is the approach you got to have in the NBA these days. You know, the analytics tell you what, whatever and whatnot. But the shots are going to start falling for him, so I'm not concerned about him. As long as he's still defending, you know, he's rebounding at a high level. He's, he's even passing the ball better than he has in the past. Uh, I'm not worried about him. Um, and then moving on to 
who's been an absolute stud the last couple of games since he came back from illness. Uh, he got slandered on this program. But Jalen Brown, he had a 30-burger against uh, San Antonio. Then he had 25 again the other night. He had double-doubles in each game with points and rebounds. That's the first time in his Celtics career he had double-doubles in back-to-back nights. So I think, as you mentioned earlier, with the Hayward injury, I think you're going to see Jalen Brown take a leap. He already is taking a leap. And, you know, those minutes are going to be there for him. He's going to be out over 30 a night. And the way he's playing right now, there's no reason in my mind that with the East being so bad and the players in the East being so bad that based on how he's playing right now, there's no reason for me to say that he shouldn't make a push to potentially be an all-star this year in a, in a weak Eastern Conference. Well, yeah. and He's playing like an all- I you, you scoff over there. He had Zach, two good games. But he's I'm telling you, he's playing like an all-star. He had two good games. My my biggest gripe is just his three-point shooting has to improve. I think it will, but he's at like 30%, I think, right now. And I know he, he hasn't played you know, the full slate of games just yet. But, yeah, that illness, by the way, was kind of freaky. The abscess that they had to drain, that was kind of... Kind of freaky, but I'm know. I'm happy to say that he clearly hasn't is not being affected. By oh it yeah, right now. he's playing like a stud for sure, for sure. And I think I think one thing that like might get lost. Or, I mean, it, it's been p- talked about some, but we just really have to consider just how much of a losing environment Kemba Walker came from and how that script is already flipped the other way. Just real quick, 605 games with the Hornets. His longest winning streak was seven games. Nine games with the Celtics, already higher than that. Already more wins good th- than his rookie year, 2011-2012, that shortened season. They won seven games that year, the Bobcats did. Celtics already have more wins. Do you want to refer to them as the Bobcats <laughs> from now on? Just well, the Charlotte Bobcats? They were. I'm saying back then in 2011, they were the Charlotte Bobcats. I know, but they're, they're like such an awful organization. I, they are to. the Bobcats to me. They're not the Hornets. Yeah, okay. Charlotte you know, Bobcats owned by some no-name NBA exactly. degenerate gambler. Yes. <laughs> True. <laughs> True, and he was. That's why he was suspended. He didn't retire. He was suspended. In the 90s. We got. We're Bending. gonna have a conspiracy theory show eventually. But <laughs> I agree with that. Theory. Yes, but seriously though, like you know, we we applaud the Patriots for taking guys from losing organizations and really helping them become the player that they're supposed to be. Uh, Stephon Gilmore, one of the most prime examples, a guy that they signed high. Uh, they were high on out of free agency. Um, and paid big bucks to. They usually don't do that. Stephon Gilmore becomes one of the best top three corners in the league, if not the best. And then on the Celtics, you know, this guy, Kemba Walker, comes on over from the Hornets, just a historically awful team. I think they made the playoffs with him twice, uh, but they were, like, bottom of the barrel, no chance. Comes to this organization, and already, like, the environment, number one, is different. It's a lot more legit. And the drive, the ambition is a lot different. And again, like you're around other talent that kind of matches you. Like who did he never played with anybody remotely close to his talent level or at least ceiling? Al Jefferson. I mean, Ew. maybe. And <laughs> Michael like, Kid Gilchrist. Michael oh. Kid Gilchrist for oh. one year. You thought maybe Nicholas Batum. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Batum. Let me tell you something about him. That guy did not deserve a single penny of that big contract he got. <laughs> Jeez. But seriously, he hasn't played with anybody over uh, in Charlotte. And now he at least has guys around him with high ceilings. And he's in the prime of his athletic career. You know, it's the perfect time to be uh, going for an actual run, which he has never been on an actual run in the NBA. 
the eight years he's been in the league. And finally he gets that chance, and he's starting to show out, man. He really is. A crazy fourth quarter against the Mavericks. And he's, again, Brad Stevens and point guards, hand in hand, peanut butter and jelly. So far, it's working out well. Yeah, and can I say something quickly before? I know 7 o'clock is coming close, but it is. this is non-Celtics news. Uh, the Nets, 4-5, and five, that bum Kyrie Irving today. Uh, Shams, this is a tweet from 1237, whatever. After less than two months, the Nets and new CEO David Levy, or Levy, have mutually parted ways. I mean, this is wow. 100% the Kyrie effect. He is already infecting his venom through the Brooklyn Nets. Mm-hmm. Their CEO is gone. It, this is just, as a Celtics fan, this just warms my heart seeing them play with all this fun energy, eight straight, best team in the NBA, playing for each other, playing as a team. I just yep. love it. And here go the Brooklyn Nets. It's starting, baby. The Kyrie effect is starting. Last thing I want to say, the Suns might be Suns out, guns out, baby. (laughs) I mean, I don't don't think they're good, but they're playing kind of good right now. So let's see. Let's see. We love to see it. Well, I think that just about does it here for this edition of the Mouth and Off Sports Show on WBIM 91.5 FM. Dan Sadik, as always, alongside with Zach Lacey, Jonathan Sullivan, and Ryan Brown. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you all next week. Have a great week, everyone. West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Life is older, older than the trees, younger than the mountains, growing like a breeze, country road. Take me home.